0: Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thank you for joining us on a Thursday edition of the show. A lot to get to on a Thursday edition of the podcast. Some good news for BYU football as Isaiah Heron has decided to return to the BYU football program after initially deciding to transfer. We'll break down his decision, what it may mean for BYU, and what it means for the young man himself. We'll also get to some of your questions. A mailbag segment on today's podcast as well as a conversation, part two of a conversation I had with Trone Johnson from Aztec Breakdown as our opponent preview series rolls on with the San Diego State Aztecs. What will SDSU look like when they show up to BYU this November? Well, Tron Johnson will fill you in more on that on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at rockauto.com, as well as All Guard Pest Control, and we'll tell you about both of them as today's podcast rolls on. With that rundown out of the way, let's get to it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 25th, 2020. Mm -hmm. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for The Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download your daily podcast with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. A reminder for you guys, this podcast is available everywhere it can be downloaded and or listened to. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and name just a few of the big, bigger fish. But there are plenty of other podcast apps out there. So whatever your favorite podcast app, is search us out make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button that way, you never miss an episode as we are with you guys each and every day talking BYU sports, and we want to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. All right, a lot to get to on a Thursday edition of the show. Let's start off with this. Some good news for BYU football. Yesterday, Isaiah Heron on his Instagram feed announced that he's actually coming back to BYU. He had announced late last week that he was planning on entering the NCAA transfer portal. Our reports, and I had reported on this myself, uh, surfaced, and some statements, statements from his teammates indicated that he was looking to transfer to a historically black college or university to finish out his collegiate career. He wanted to go and really, uh, I guess, lead in terms of uh, being a young black American who wanted to just be a difference maker. And I completely understood his reasoning for doing it Uh, amidst all the social unrest we've seen going on, the Black Lives Matter movement. He wanted to be a young leader. Well, his statement yesterday, we'll read it here in just a second, I think tells a lot about the character of a kid of the of the ilk of Isaiah Heron. So here you go. Here's the statement in full. Quote, I want to start off by saying thank you to all of the historically black colleges and universities willing to give me an opportunity after I put my name into the transfer portal. I also want to thank BYU from the entire football staff to the president. I want to make it clear that my intentions to leave were not because of BYU. This place has been nothing but great to me by providing opportunities and relationships that I'm grateful to have. The reason I wanted to leave was due to the current climate in America in regards to racial injustice and the killing of unarmed black men and women. I felt the historically black college was the best place that I could help tackle those injustices because of the culture and locations of the schools with a little more time to think about, excuse me, with a little more time to think, I have made the decision to stay here at BYU. I realized I can have an impact in this state by opening eyes here and help other African Americans in Utah because of the small amount of diversity that's here. I'm looking forward to using my opportunities here to make a positive impact, unquote. That's a pretty uh, impactful statement. And I I'm, I know he's had impact impactful statement spare me the the lecture on grammar, but I think he said a lot there. This is a young man who grew up in Atlanta, ended up going to high school in the greater Las Vegas area, if I'm not mistaken Arborview High School down there in the greater Las Vegas Metroplex and A good player, like I said, started seven games for BYU a year ago. A kid that I thought uh, absolutely would push for a starting job potentially this year would be in the rotation at bare minimum. And I think he's smart about this. Obviously, he felt like, you know what, I can make an impact by going to an HBCU and hopefully showing that, you know what, a wave of athletes can go to these schools and make an impact. But also, it appears that he wants to make an impact here in the state of Utah. I think he is going to do some big things here. I think a statement of this shows how mature for a young man that Isaiah Heron is. I believe he's only 19 years old, so he's still a teenager technically. But this young man understands what it's all about. He's got a he's got a bigger picture. He's got his eyes are a little more uh, wide instead of that narrow focus that sometimes you see younger people have. And I've got nothing but the utmost respect for a kid like Isaiah Heron. I look forward to speaking with him at some point here, if and when we're able to get back out there to cover practices and do interviews, etc. I want to hear more about his story because I think this is utterly fascinating that he had the decision made, I'm going to transfer, then decide, you know what, I can make an impact right here where I'm at. I can, to use an expression from Dieter F. Uchtdorf uh, from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, He is, quote unquote, lifting where he stands. It's one of my favorite quotes, actually, from um, what was then President Uchtdorf, now Elder Uchtdorf in the LDS Church. And that's what Isaiah Heron is doing. He is lifting where he stands. He understands, you know what, I have a platform here with Brigham Young University and their football program in a state that, yes, we are not that diverse. I believe less than two percent of the state of Utah is African-American. So there is a lack of diversity, no doubt. And he feels like, you know what, I can make an impact here similar to one maybe I could have made in an HBCU. I look forward to seeing what Isaiah Heron does in a BYU uniform. I'm excited that he's going to be back with the BYU football program. He's absolutely going to bolster the depth for the Cougars because I think they absolutely needed his ability on the field because I think guys like D'Angelo Mandel are good players. Chris Wilcox is a good player. Keenan Ellis can be a great player. I think Jalen Vickers, Shamon Willis, uh, Jock Wilson coming in from the junior college ranks. There's going to be plenty of competition for playing time at cornerback for BYU this year, but Isaiah Heron is a proven product, more proven than a number of his other, other guys that he'll be competing against for playing time. You don't start seven games at the FBS level for nothing. So I think Isaiah Heron, this is a young man with a good head on his shoulders. I think he gets what is going on here. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in a BYU uniform. I think he is going to have a big impact. I think his process here of explaining where he's coming from, his approach to things, it should rub off on his teammates. And I think he's going to be a good leader for the BYU football program for the remainder of his career in a Cougar uniform. So welcome back to Isaiah Heron and excited to have him back in a BYU uniform coming up here. Uh, what 10 weeks away from today, we are 70 days away from BYU in Utah kicking off the season. That's exciting. Obviously the concerns around COVID-19, I get that, but we're looking ahead 10 weeks away from today, BYU and Utah expected to square off at Rice Eccles stadium, but Isaiah Heron looking like he'll be suiting up for BYU in that game, barring any other setbacks or changes to his plan. All right, coming up here in just a second, we'll talk about the San Diego State Aztecs. I played part one of an interview I did yesterday with Trone Johnson from Aztec Breakdown, a good friend of the podcast. We'll have part two coming up here. Some thoughts on the San Diego State defense as well as how Brady Hoke is going about really revamping what he's doing with San Diego State going forward here in his second stint as the head coach down there on Montezuma Mesa. We'll get to that conversation here in just a second. Before we do that, though, rockauto.com is one of our sponsors on today's show. I love rockauto.com. I am a guy, I will freely admit, who is a novice when it comes to car repair. I can change my own oil. I can repair a taillight. I can uh, take a tire, put a tire off and on. What expression I'm trying to use there. I can take a tire off a flat tire, fix it, and put it back on. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, guess what? RockAuto.com is going to make my life even easier because any part I need for any of my vehicles, my wife's car, my daily driver, whatever you've got yourself, SUV, truck, car, all can be found at RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years online. This is not an organization that is just a neophyte. They have been well-established. And they're doing great work. What I love when you go to rockauto.com is you can actually can search by price. You can search by brand. You can look up your car has every part from every manufacturer I think that's ever been made for your particular vehicle. And you can search it all. Rockauto.com wants to make sure you are taken care of and they can take a little bit of that bite out of some of the pricing when it comes to getting your car fixed. And the best part is all of it shipped right to your front door can't beat that guys check it out rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all of the parts your car will ever need that's our good friends at rockauto.com the NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, let's get to part two of my conversation with Trone Johnson from Aztec Breakdown, a good friend of the podcast. who played part one of this conversation yesterday, talking about Brady Hoke taking back over as the head coach there for the Aztecs, a lot about the San Diego State offense. If you didn't hear that, you can stop this podcast now. Go to yesterday's podcast and listen to part one. Part two here focuses more on San Diego State's defense, as well as how Brady Hoke is going to go about revamping or, I guess, revitalizing San Diego State in terms of the recruiting, how they're going to go about stuff like that. So a fun conversation ahead. Here you go. Trone Johnson from Aztec Breakdown with myself, Jay Catch, on Locked on Cougars. Trone, let's switch over to the defense for a minute here. Uh, Obviously, they ran that 3-3-5 to almost perfection. We've seen some... Just marvelous defenses come out from San Diego State, especially under Rocky Long's tenure. Brady Hoke was the defensive line coach this past season, so he should be fairly familiar with what they have on defense. Where do you think their biggest strength lies
1: right now? I think uh, the biggest strength is still the defensive line. Mm -hmm. They have... uh, Cameron Thomas, I want to say is his name. Correct, I'm yeah. doing bad with the names right now. He broke out as a star on the defensive line last year, as well as uh Keyshawn Banks is another guy who's returning. I saw this morning on Twitter, there was a uh, rivals came out with an article and it had Cameron Thomas as like a top 10 group of fine group of five defensive linemen okay. in the nation. And then Keyshawn Banks, a lot of people would argue is even better. He wasn't on the list, but so you have two really solid guys up there. Um, And then once again, like you said, Brady Hoke was the defensive line coach last year. Rocky Long touted him as being possibly the best defensive line coach in the country. And so when you have that as your head coach, it bodes well for continuing that success on the line. Are they going to continue on with the 3-3-5 for the time being? You know, that is an excellent question. I haven't seen anything that for sure said, like I haven't heard any coach interviews saying we're for sure keeping this. It seems like for at least this year, they're going to keep it. Uh, it's tough because I don't know if their new defensive coordinator has ever run a three-three-five. You know, he he was a defensive coordinator at the uh, FCS level, and it seemed like he had some success. He's never done it at the FBS level, and I you know the three-three-five is a pretty rare defensive alignment, and so it would be safe to say he likely doesn't have very much experience with it. So he might be leaning on Hoke a little bit for that. But right now, it looks like they're going to keep the three-three-five.
0: The three three five to me, and I, I I go back to the era when Bronco Mendenhall came to BYU as the defensive coordinator, under Gary Croton and actually bought the three three five with him from New Mexico to BYU. The Cougars ran it for a number of years. When after even after Bronco took over as the head coach at BYU, and then he realized, you know what, I don't have the personnel to fit this the way I recruit at BYU, and he morphed into a three four defense, which has become his base defense even now that he's at Virginia. San Diego state has been such a unique program in that defense. Cause when you go up against it, you've got one week to prepare for it and you may not see it again for maybe two or three years. It's so unique.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's often, uh, likened to the triple option attack on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you're not going to, to see a whole lot, as you said. And I think that really benefited San Diego state because, you know, when you're, a group of five school, you don't have the same resources. You don't have access to the same talent necessarily. The five-star and the four-star players are going elsewhere. So you need to find a way to uh, put your players that you have to maximize their abilities, to put them in situations where they can be good and minimize those situations where, they might be be lacking, and so the three three five allowed Rocky Long and Brady Hook performed to recruit a specific type of player that other teams were saying we don 't need them because they have these faults the Aztecs could say, we'll take you because we'll just make you do the thing that you're really good at. And so I'm very hopeful that, I mean, that's my personal bias, but I'm very hopeful that they do keep it up long-term because I think it's been a big boon to the program and the defense specifically.
0: Well, one uh, stat out, when I was reading up on San Diego State, and this comes from Athlon, their their preview, it said that San Diego State, their defense forced a three and out 46.5% of the time in 2019. That was the second best rate in the country behind one team you may know as Clemson. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's, you know, there's been some other people to mention this in in the San Diego area, but last season was very painful. It was definitely one of those, like what could have been seasons, because the defense by, by many metrics and by many opinions was top 10 top 15 in the nation. And like you said, in that one was number two in the nation. Um, But the offense just couldn't keep up. And so if you had had even an average level offense, you know, what could that team have, have done? Could they have gone undefeated? Could they have, you know, gotten to a really good bowl or, or probably not the playoff, but, um, the, the new year six bowls, you know, yeah. could they have done any of that and we'll never know, but that was, that's always been, been the question. And so, um, I forget where I was going with this train of thought, but the point being, yeah, the defense has been, has been really good.
0: Yeah. San Diego State, to me, growing up, I I grew up in the era, obviously, when BYU was in the Mountain West and the Mm WAC with San Diego State, and the Aztecs have always been an intriguing program because they always haul in some athletes that may have fallen under the radar where a USC or UCLA down there in Southern California may have overlooked them, but these guys want to stay home, and San Diego State can swoop in and scoop up some of those guys. Is Brady Hoke, is he going to do a better job at keeping some of those guys home like Rocky Long did during his tenure as he goes forward here, do you feel like?
1: I think the early returns and then also going back to Brady Hoke's last tenure are are very positive. So far, it looks like San Diego State... Uh, for not, you know, this coming season, but yeah. for the following season, the recruiting class is looking very strong. A lot of highly athletic guys kind of to your point, they got a, a quarterback who I think made bleach report because he made a video of him throwing the ball accurately while doing like, really, like he would go jump over a guy, <laughs> like he would see in a slam dunk contest, okay. but then mid jump, he threw the football and hit the guy he was throwing it to. And so he was able to do these really athletic things and still throw the ball. Well, and so that might be a guy like you were saying where, you know, the other schools overlooked him because maybe they want a more typical pocket passer. But Brady Hoke was able to to go down and get him. He's uh, between his last tenure and the earlier turns here, it looks like he is his number one attribute is his ability to recruit players, which bodes well for the future.
0: When we kicked off this interview, you said the eight or nine win season this year probably would be where the expectation lies, a winning season at minimum, obviously a bowl game, et cetera. What does San Diego state need to do in your opinion to take the next step and truly become, I guess, one of the elite teams in the mountain West conference if they're not already there in your mind?
1: Um, I think with, this is kind of my, my basketball influence coming in, but I think it all starts with just your talent base You know, you need to get the team with the better players will generally win games and you need to be able to develop the talent well. And so, like I just said, Brady Hoke has been showing that he can recruit these talented players. So that's step one. You need to make sure you can develop them and fit them into your into your system. Well, the the generic thing would just be, you know, continue what you've been doing on the defensive side of the ball and just figure out how to improve the offense as well. Aztec fans have been uh, not pleased with the offensive coordinator for the past number of years. That guy is, excuse me, still on the staff, but he's not the offensive coordinator anymore. He's the running backs coach. And so there's hope that with the new coordinator and the new, just, you know, new ideas coming in there that will help improve the offense. And then, like I said, you know, if you have, if you have a top 10 or 15 defense, if the offense is just average, what can you accomplish with that? So if you can just uh, balance it out and, and keep your success defensively and also add more talent and more development on the offensive side of the ball and get more creative with your, with your play calling and your schemes, that can help out tremendously and uh, help dethrone Boise State as the, the best football program in, in the conference.
0: Absolutely. Well, Trone, I can't thank you enough for taking some time once again to join us here on the podcast. Look forward to catching your work. Where can people find you on
1: social media, etc.? Social media. So uh, Twitter is my main thing. Um, just at Aztec breakdown, I have a Patreon. I know it's not social media, but you know, Aztec breakdown there. I don't release anything on there. I'm not good at business. Just if you like what I do, you can give me a dollar a month. I think is what it is. Um, and just as a way to say, thank you. Um, I'm on YouTube. I do, I, I pretty much do solely basketball stuff. I, I like football. Hopefully you can tell that, but my focus is is on basketball stuff on YouTube. So you can see when I'm looking at Aztec players, what skills they bring and what they need to work on. I think that's it. Okay. I think, yeah. Twitter, YouTube, those are the basic ones.
0: Aztec breakdown, easy to find, but Trone, yeah. thanks again for taking the time. we we'll look forward to catching up with you
1: again soon here. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. There you go. Part two of our conversation
0: with Trone Johnson from Aztec Breakdown. As he just said, you can follow him at Aztec Breakdown on Twitter. Also some videos on the SDSU men's basketball program in particular on YouTube under the same name. So check it out. A big thank you once again to Trone Johnson for joining us again here on the podcast. Some interesting thoughts from him about what San Diego State's doing. We'll see how they look when they show up to BYU in November as it's currently scheduled. November 14th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium looking forward to that game I think this is a fun rivalry an old rivalry for BYU you can think about some of the great games that BYU and San Diego State have played over the years none I think bigger than the 52-52 tie if I'm not mistaken on the score with Ty Detmer when they rallied for that Uh, Marshall Falk had a couple of games where he just absolutely tore BYU up individually so some interesting history between these two programs and looking forward to seeing them renew acquaintances once again this fall once again a big thank you to Tron Johnson for joining us. All right, coming up here in just a second, it's your chance to sound off on the Cougars. We'll get to some of your questions that you've sent in on Twitter this week. A listener mailbag segment coming up next. Before we do that, need to take a minute today and talk to you about our good friends over at All Guard Pest Control. Seth Barrett and his team are the best of the best. Seth, he's become a dear friend. He takes care of my house. And what All Guard Pest Control is, is exactly what it says. They guard your home against pests of any type, variety, ilk, whatever you want to describe it as. They will make sure your home is protected. Like I said, Seth and his team at All Guard Pest Control take care of my home. I hope you will trust them to take care of yours. All Guard Pest Control is taking the utmost precautions right now. Seth and his team are wearing masks. They've got gloves. They're being sanitary between visits. They're making sure that if you want something done in particular, in a particular way, they're happy to accommodate that request. They want to make sure that you, the consumer, their customer, feels at ease with them coming in your home. And even if you don't want them to come in your home, they'll do the exterior of your home if that's what you want. They will fit their services to your needs and what you're looking forward to, especially amidst all this pandemic noise we've had going on, obviously. It's a very... I guess jittery time, I guess is the easiest way to describe it, but Seth and his team are here to serve you guys. They offer two unique programs where they have a quarterly program where they can come out once every three months, make sure your home is taken care of so that year-round protection is always up around your home. But also if you have just a one-time need, you have ants that maybe are in your kitchen or whatever it might be, spiders, mice, etc. even termites, you might you'd be surprised. Seth can tell you termites are actually a bigger deal in Utah than you might think whatever it might be. If it's a one-time service, they'll take care of you the one time and they'll leave you alone. That's what I love about this company. They want to make sure you, the customer, feel like you're empowered and that they can make sure that they help you guys out with whatever you need in whichever format you decide to pursue it. Check out All Guard Pest Control online at allguardpestcontrols.com. Their phone number, 801-851-1812. Like I said, Seth and his team are the best of the best, a local company based here in Utah County, but capable of servicing anybody up and down the Wasatch Front. So, You have the hometown feel of a company who is homegrown here in the state of Utah, but capable of servicing any need that you have when it comes to pest control. Trust All Guard Pest Control. I trust them. Call them 801-851-1812 or check them out online at allguardpestcontrols.com. All right, guys, running low on time on today's podcast. and We're probably not going to get to our player countdown series today, 70 days away from BYU in Utah. So we'll catch up tomorrow with players number 70 and 69 on tomorrow's podcast. But we are just 10 weeks away from BYU and Utah kicking off the season. But I wanted to get to some of your questions you sent in on social media this week. Listener mailbag time. And let's start off with a BYU and Utah question that comes in from our good friend, Jameson Coons, longtime listener of the podcast, listens every day. And a big thank you to you, Jameson. He's at gocoogs 33 obviously a big-time BYU fan. He says, in your opinion, why hasn't BYU beat Utah in 10 years? Well, Jamison, I think I could answer a bunch of different ways on this question, but frankly... I do think there is a talent gap that BYU has not been able to make up, and it appears that they're not going to make it up in the near future. I was listening to another podcast recently, The Solid Verbal. It's a college football podcast. I've been listening to it for years now. And Dan and Ty actually had an interesting episode recently. Actually, it was the most recent one, if I'm not mistaken, where they talked about the blue chip ratio, and it was more of a conversation about which teams are truly national championship contenders because the ratio of teams that actually win in the national championship, if you go back and look at it over the past two decades or so roughly, is you have to have at least 50% of your roster are blue chip guys, that meaning they're four or five star prospects, when they join your program. There are 15 of them, they said, that have that 50% or more capacity. Utah is not among that group, but Utah is recruiting at a higher level than BYU is, simply due to the fact that a member the Pac-12... I can acknowledge that. I know a lot of BYU fans, it makes your skin crawl and your the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. They, you bristle at that thought. But right now, Utah is recruiting on a different level than BYU. And that's not to say that BYU can't win the game. I think this year is a big opportunity for BYU. There's a lot of rebuilding going on in Salt Lake. Nine new defensive starters for Kyle, uh, Kyle Whittingham. New quarterback, new running back. An offensive line that's having to be rebuilt this year. This is a good, as good a year, I guess I should say, as any for BYU to snap that streak against Utah Jamison, but honestly, I just feel like there's a talent gap that has really played out. Obviously, BYU has been right there in multiple games. One-score games have been kind of the hallmark of this series, especially amidst this nine-game losing streak for BYU. At some point, BYU's just got to get over the hump and kind of get that mental block, I feel like, at times, that's in their way against Utah out of the way as well. It's going to be that whole monkey off the back thing once BYU does snap this streak and let's hope that they snap it this fall. It'd be nice to see a more competitive balance in this rivalry after a decade of utter domination by Utah. So Jameson, I don't know the exact answer. Hopefully that fills you in a little bit, but I do think there's a talent gap that BYU is trying to make up for, and they've done a decent job at closing the gap in games against Utah, but they just got to get over the hump here and finally win one of these games. And I think that might change a few things, but We'll find out 10 weeks away from today. Another question coming in from Chris Murphy at C. Murphy Pro, another longtime listener. He says, I count at least eight guys on this year's BYU football team that will get a realistic shot at the NFL over the next few years. If this is the case, shouldn't, be BYU, shouldn't BYU be poised for better than an eight win season? All right, Chris. Uh, so you have a good point there. Obviously, NFL talent usually correlates with better seasons for BYU football. As I've said for most of this offseason, I'm very bullish on BYU's chances this season of having a good year. The problem is BYU faces six power five teams on the schedule. And yes, there are power five teams in transition, like a Missouri, like a Michigan State. Stanford's coming off a four and eight year. We had RJ Abadia on a couple of weeks ago to talk about the Cardinal. There are teams in transition, but they are power five teams and very talented. Also, some of the G5 programs on BYU schedule are no slouch Boise State is a perennial Mountain West elite contender Utah State's been pretty good in the past few years Houston despite losing Derek King has still got plenty of talent appears under Dana Holgerson so the funny thing is Chris I think an eight win season this year for BYU would actually be a pretty dang good season in my opinion Anything above that, I'm calling it gravy. I'm kind of looking at it saying, you know what? Eight and four would be a fantastic year for BYU. I understand there would be a lot of angst with that because that's only a one-game improvement over the past two seasons, which have been seen largely as disappointments despite some of the opportunities BYU's had to maybe get 8, nine, ten wins, especially last year. You were so close in so many of those games. How different does 2019 look had you beaten a Toledo, a South Florida, a San Diego State, or a Hawaii, or all four? It would completely change the perception of that season. So I think an 8-win season this year actually be a very solid campaign for the Cougars. So I'm looking at 8-4 and four is a good thing. Anything beyond that, Chris, I think is a fantastic season that should absolutely be celebrated as one of the better seasons in recent memory. One final question here for you guys uh, coming in from another longtime listener, that's Casey Finlinson at FinDaddy81. Casey says, if fans are going to go to games this year, how do you see BYU creating an environment of social distancing and safety at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? That's a great question, Casey. And I think that every contingency that can possibly be planned for is being planned for by BYU. I know that's a really roundabout way of saying that they're looking into everything. I think the biggest thing is you're going to see reduced capacity at the very, very best for BYU football this fall. You're not going to see 64,000 fans packed into Lavelle Edwards Stadium at any point this year, I don't feel like. I could see them maybe going as high as, what, 30,000, 32, 34,000, about half capacity, and making sure that, yeah, if you're a family, you can sit together, but you've got to be six feet away or more from another party around you. I could see them kind of doing a how would you describe it a, almost a checkerboard style seating arrangement where one sits here one sits diagonally to them and up the stands it goes like that and across the stadium it's going to be a weird field there's no doubt about it sports are just going to be weird for the foreseeable future until we have a, a, a what is it a vaccine for covid-19 and we can all congregate shoulder to shoulder with our fellow man and watch our favorite sports teams Maybe things are never going to go back to that. I don't know. But I think that BYU, they're going to have as many fans in attendance as as possible, but it very well could be that they don't have any fans in attendance. The bigger issue at this point is just getting games on the docket, playing those games and collecting the TV checks. I know that's crass to say. I know that leaves the fans out in the cold, but it's kind of the hard reality of college sports anymore. TV rules all. That's why we see BYU playing games in the dead of winter, it feels like, in November at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time. It's just how it goes. So we'll see Casey and I'll be sure to report on that. I'm going to reach out to some people and see if I can get a better feel on what they're planning at BYU for Lavelle Edwards stadium in terms of social distancing. So a big thank you to all of you for your questions on today's podcast. Like I said, feel free to reach out anytime you can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, search us out at locked on Cougars. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C hatch. We'd love to hear from you guys. Eat anytime you want. Also, you can drop us a note or a question by emailing us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the address there. All right. That'll do it for today's edition of the show. All brought to you today by our good friends at rockauto.com, as well as our good friends at All Guard Pest Control. Uh, Make sure you patronize the businesses that support us. It really helps us build the community here. And obviously our advertisers are a lot more happy with us when you guys help them out. You scratch their back, they scratch ours. We have a lot of fun all together. All right. Once again, big thank you for your support of the podcast. It's a blast to be with you guys each and every day. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 25th, 2020. We will catch you guys tomorrow.